the the big problem I hear about are people that want to get exposed to enterprise level tools where maybe they're they're not currently employed or their company doesn't uh, currently subscribe to one, like say Adobe. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. How's your, uh, how's your, what? Oh, sorry. I was just going to bring up a random topic as we usually do. I I just read this, uh, this article about like a IT security exploit. That's kind of scary. Um, basically someone developed a way, it's kind of a prototype, but, uh, within a USB cable, they were able to fit like a a Wi-Fi controller inside the plug that basically would allow someone to get into your device remotely through the through like a a, a normal looking Wi-Fi cable or that's USB awesome. cable. Yeah. And to be to be fair, that's something that and I don't I don't attend many conferences, but when I have in the past, I've always been scared of either the guy sitting in the lounge saying, "Hey, if anyone needs an extra charger, I, you can, you know, hook up and charge." Yeah, uh, or like the charging booths that some of the vendors have in like the vendor showcase area. Yeah. I'm like, how easy would it to be to like have someone plug their their device into these and like steal all their stuff? Totally. So the, you know, there's a device called um, well, the slang is like a USB condom. Have you heard of this? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I actually have. I have them. Uh, I have one. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. They're very cheap, but it's it's basically like um, it's kind of like a looks like just a plug i mean it it basically like whenever you are charging or something you plug into this before you plug into the wall or whatever and it supposedly blocks anything that could potentially uh transmit data okay i'll have to check that out power yeah it's it's, uh some people say they're very uh well the the criticism of it is that um some people think that people who get them are overly paranoid but Every time something no. like this comes up, then it's, it's actually I, I, I think I think this is one where there's a very a very real threat there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you search for Yeah. Well, you can search for USB condom. Alright. <laughs> you may get you may get some interesting results and you may no, get the it, actual it, right it's ones. Legit too. one. Alright. <laughs> we'll have to link it up in the uh, in the blog post for this episode. Yeah. And hey, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that people aren't actually out to get you. <laughs> right, right. How are you going to yeah. segue this one, Jim? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bet I bet he's going to use snow day to, to uh, segue. Are, are, aren't you guys on a snow day? We, we are on a snow day today. Um, it, 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 I'm looking out the window. It's snowing. Nothing's really sticking yet. It's just it's going to be a mess of a commute home. So people are working from home and school's closed just because it's going to be a mess. But, you know, um, how we're going to segue is, is, you know, your, your concerns there are, are based off of experiences people have, have had, right? Um, you know, you know you're, you're not making something up. You, you've seen other people or, or maybe you've done something where you take, uh, you know, something free someone gave you and it backfired on you, right? So today's conversation is about experience, and it's specifically gaining experience to build your career. Good segue, huh? Jim's the master of segues. That's what I've learned from listening, re-listening to all these podcasts. <laughs> he, 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 he brings a very specific skill to this podcast. In future episodes, we're just going to come up with the most random topic and then challenge Jim to segue. All right, Jim, let's see how you're going to make this one fit. <laughs> John and I are going to start conspiring before the recordings to come up with something. Bring it on. I'll find a way. Um, 
But but you know, I, I, it was a while back. This has been something that's been in my backlog to get on the calendar. But you know, the uh, the idea of how do you get experience? I think this goes way way back when we were talking about like uh, our our histories and how we got to this point in our career. Um, and we we briefly touched on it, and we wanted to have a complete follow up episode to really dig into this. But at some point in your career, um, you're going to face the paradox of needing to gain experience to move your career forward but no one giving you the chance because you don't have the experience in, in the first place. Um, you know, if we think about our industry specifically, no one will let you get access to their data without experience, but you can't get experience without using data. Now you often see this um, early in one's career when they're searching for that first job or even the second job out of, out of college. You know, maybe they've gone on an internship you know, but the, really, at this point, they've, the, their only work experience has been part-time jobs working while they were in school. Um, you know, you have very little on-the-job experience at this point in your career. But then you could also look at it uh, later on in one's career if you're trying to make a pivot. Um, you know, with, with this kind of scenario, you have some skills that are transferable, especially if you're a project manager or account manager. You have those transferable skills, but there are still new ones that you need to learn or industry specific insights to have to properly run a project or manage a client in this space. So this week, let's tackle steps that one could take in various stages of their career to gain experience and to get around this paradox. Man, this is uh, this is a good one, and, and I think one that will will be helpful to a lot of people. Um, I have a lot of a lot of ideas. I'll, I'll just start with the one that I like to talk about the most, and that is create that opportunity yourself. And that that may be sound that that may sound contrite or or easy, but what I mean by that is that if you work in an organization that has data that is doing analytics, um, you, you have opportunity there. And um, oftentimes we're, we're kind of taught to go in, especially if we're working in large organizations, not rock the boat, just do kind of what we're supposed to do. But what I've seen is that people who are willing to define something and make it happen are able to, to realize that. And I worked with um, a really talented developer back at, in my days at, at Spark Networks, who was super interested in analytics, had no background in analytics, had never even opened up or deployed a Google Analytics on like a blog um, or anything like that, but was really interested in it. We had just purchased uh, Omniture at the time and no one asked him to develop expertise in deploying it. No one told him it was even part of his job. I think we were lucky in that our developers had what was called Mingle Labs every Friday, which was every Friday afternoon, they got the afternoon to do whatever they wanted. Um, and and people worked on all sorts of things. And this guy said, you know, I, I really want to develop analytics expertise. And so I'm going to figure out how to, to make that happen. I'm going to push my way into meetings. I'm going to go bug Jason every time, you know, there's new features or requests and figure out how I can help. And, and oftentimes it was above and beyond what he was asked to do for his day job. So he was just carving out time to try to figure out how to gain experience, how to make connections with people in the company that could help provide him the experience until ultimately he got to a point where he put together a proposal to present to his management team to say, Hey, here's why I need to be this person. And here's what I need you to invest in me in order to make it happen. So that may be an outlier, but I think that that honestly is the easiest path uh, for people that already have jobs is to create analytics within your role. And whether that's you're interested in the implementation side or you're implement, you're interested in being um, more of an analyst, or if you're interested in gaining more statistical type skills and, and going into A-B testing and personalization and things like that, um, there are things that everybody can do in their day-to-day -day job to help get closer to that. But it, it is a little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable at first, but you have to kind of force that to happen. So that's the number one thing I tell people when they come to me and say, hey, I'm a, you know, fill in the blank and I want to be an analyst. You know, how do I even get experience to start? And I say, look where you can start using data in your job. Because I can't think of a job that wouldn't benefit from, from using data. So just start figuring out how you can use data in your current job. And then let's build it from there. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think especially nowadays, even if you don't have data available in your job, there's a lot of publicly available data as well. I know you've done some interesting projects on, along that in the in the past as well. But uh, I, I feel like and there's a lot of tools that are freely available as well. Um, if you want to get into analysis, you know, things like R and, and, and stuff like that is all freely available. Python, a lot of data sets available. But I think, I, and I actually don't know the answer to this, but specifically in terms of getting experience, I, the, the big problem I hear about are people that want to get exposed to enterprise level tools where maybe they're, they're not currently employed or yeah. their company doesn't uh, currently subscribe to one, like say Adobe, the yeah. Adobe suite, for instance. Um, I think that's a more challenging yeah, you 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 bring up a, a super good point, and it's it's both the top of of conversation from a vendor like an Adobe, and there's others out there, um, but I think that's why you see so many people coming out of college, so many people that are making career pivots that have experience with tools that are much easier to get their hands on, like a Google Analytics. Like okay. there's a you know there's lots of kind of free low cost analytics tools that you can just get right either for free or I can plop down a credit card for $9 a month and get access to an analytics tool. Um, it's more likely people are going to have experience there. And, and look, if that's where you start, that's where you start. And there, there's nothing wrong with, with going down that path, but you bring up a good point And it's one where, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk with several people that are either looking to get into services or in services and want to pivot into a larger uh, population that you know in our space the crossover from from Google to Adobe is a really popular one and I'll talk to people that have years and years of really deep experience with with Google Analytics and they're just desperate to cross over and add Adobe Analytics to their resume but it's it's incredibly difficult um, at one point in time I, I want to give uh, I think this was back in the Omniture days when Chris Wareham was was running the developer group I think they had a really strong vision. Um, they had this platform built out to um, provide sandboxes to developers. You didn't have to be in a, a, an Omniture client at the time. It was phenomenal. And I don't know whatever happened to that, but there were some really cool things starting to happen there. But with a lot of these larger enterprise tools, you're right, John, it's, it's very, very difficult unless you work for a company that has acquired it to, to get experience there. Um, and, you know, that's probably a whole other blog or a whole other podcast episode that we record that talks about what impact does that have on the industry. And I think the biggest one that we're seeing is is kind of in the developer space where where people develop things and tools and add-ons for these other platforms that they have easier access to. But again, I don't want to go too far down that path. So that's probably a a whole other um, a whole other episode. But to follow up on your point, I think you know you start with what's there. Um, we are seeing Adobe. Uh, investing at the at the uh, higher education level, so um, you know I personally work with with East Tennessee State University. Uh, there's a couple of other universities that Adobe has partnered with uh, in their their marketing departments and business uh, college of business, where they have access to the Adobe Marketing Cloud. Um, but that's it's just so few and, and far between. But hopefully that will grow. Um, but but yeah, it, that's a that's a tough place to be. And your your other point, though, um, absolutely is huge opportunity there. In fact, I've seen people build whole careers and really market their their value by using open data sets. So mm -hmm. um, there, yeah, there's lots of open data sets out there. Uh, the state of Utah actually has done um, a fantastic job, um, and and I know the guy that's over that his name's Drew. Um, who is over putting together their open data website. So whether it's city expenditures or police calls or climate data, like anything that you can think of, Utah makes that data freely available, but there's tons of other sources out there as, as well. You mentioned some of the stuff I was doing with air quality. That's from uh, the national level from the EPA. Uh, you have websites like Kaggle that have massive data sets and like very interesting real world stuff. So if we're not just looking at, you know, government data, you can go on, on Kaggle and get some, 
really interesting data sets around, you know, how do people manage their Spotify libraries and, you know, some, you know, here's a data set from Walmart, go analyze this data. So tremendous opportunities to get your hands on real world data. And that's, that's historically been the problem with some of the easy to get tools, right? Like I can, um, I can grab a copy of Google analytics and I can throw it on a friend's blog, but if it's, you know, only got like five or six pages and getting like 20 visitors a month, it's not really giving me the data I need to really get a, a real world understanding and, and, and really try things at, at scale. Uh, but that shouldn't limit you. You know, I think those open data sets and, you know, I'll link a bunch of them up in the, the blog post for this episode is, is an amazing way to start. Um, and then where you take it, you can do what you want, right? You mentioned R or Python or whatever, you know, you can pull it into some data visualization libraries, wherever your interest lies, there's tons of data out there for anyone to start experimenting with. And there's really no harm at that point. I'd like to, to, to pivot the conversation a little bit, because I think up to now we've been talking about, uh, experience with kind of more maybe statistical analysis or experience with the tools. But I think in terms of becoming, growing um, your analytics career and just the skills necessary to be a good analyst, there's there's other skills maybe that aren't so technical. Um, and perhaps we can talk about some other methods uh, to build those other soft skills. For instance, um, the whole process of, you know, like stakeholder interviews or trying to decipher, you know, trying to get insights from data behaviors, maybe that, you know, we don't always follow a specific formula for, like kind of the art part of, of analytics. I, I agree. Um, and, and honestly, that's something that the, the whole of our industry probably could benefit from. Um, I, I think in the digital analytics space, we've we've done a poor job of defining what what kind of analysts are. And um, I think most most people that we call analysts aren't. Um, and so you bring up a good point. What what do you see as as those are? What do you see those skills being? Um, so obviously we, we've kind of talked around the technical piece, but you mentioned understanding the business, understanding how to conduct stakeholder interviews. What other skills that are probably transferable to many other job positions and titles would you say are yeah. critical and, and easier to add? Boy, I think off the top of my head, uh, a lot of the, the, the ideas that I'm thinking about are, are going to seem very vague, but... I think because the unique role of, of analytics can 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 go in almost any direction. Um, in a sense, you almost need to be, I don't want to say you need to be an expert in everything, but you have to have like kind of at least a, uh, a working, working knowledge, a general understanding of how every department in, a, in an organization works. So I think that involves just i mean understanding things like um you know the the financial side understanding balance sheets to and pnls to mm -hmm. you know understanding different trends in marketing to understanding kind of how people interact just behaviorally psychologically i i mean i there's it's it's such a wide um there's such a wide uh, amount of ways you can you can go in, but I think in any of those, it's just it's kind of like that, just keeping that curiosity open. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah you bring up a, a really really good point. In fact, it's one that um, on the sales side at thirty three six, I I call business immersion. And when I talk with how we engage with with customers, I say, look, it doesn't matter what services you buy from us. We start every one of our projects with a very, very deep business immersion phase. And, and honestly, that will last as long as we're partnered together. Um, it's, it's a thirst for knowledge. It's understanding as much as you can. And, and honestly, it's one of the things that most analysts um, in this digital analytics space that I have an opportunity to interact with are, are missing. And some, sadly, 
just flat out reject it. You know, that's not our job. Our job is to take the data and plug it into these models, spreadsheets, dashboards, and then push it out. Um, and, and, and that is, is a recipe for, I don't want to say failure because that model has been used for a long time, but it's, it's not a recipe for growing your, uh, value to, to the organization. So, uh, and again, that's something that you can add regardless of what your current position is. So if you're looking to pivot into more of an analytics role or get started there, understanding as much as you can about how the business operates and runs uh, is going to put you in in a very rarefied space because so few people put that time and investment in place. Um, you know, I, I I think I've brought up this story several times in the past where, um, you know, I worked with these really smart data scientists who built some amazing models and they understood enough about the business to be able to know the quality of their data or outputs and be able to question them, but but they really didn't understand the business at a business level. And I invited them to a meeting once with our uh, C-suite and had them present. And I, and I think I mentioned this before, after that meeting, the, the CEO pulled me aside and said, no, ne- never, never bring them again. That's why, you know, we have you here. We need someone that understands the business and we need to be able to have a business level conversation. And, and unfortunately, I see that mentality crossing over from like the hardcore data scientists that we see locked in the basement, cranking out models. We see that creeping into what we call the analyst in the digital analytics space where they're, they're rejecting it and they're saying, that's not my job. It's not my job to understand the business. I need to understand just enough to be able to formulate a data collection plan, know how to build out the dashboards, but I, I'm going to stop there. And, and that's really not the case. Um, being, being an analyst, at least from our perspective, is about understanding as much as we can about the people, the culture. Like every, every one of these things is impacting um, how we choose to slice the data. And as an analyst, we wield a lot of power. Because mm-hmm. the story that gets told, um, how the data is presented, all comes down to how we decide to slice with our analytical knife. And that just comes from experience and knowledge. And so if we're rejecting gathering that additional knowledge, it's limiting how we can make a cut. You know, And if you don't think that that is important, um, you know, think about sushi or meat, you know, it takes a very talented chef or butcher to make that cut right. And it could be the same exact high-end piece of meat, best sashimi-grade tuna you've ever seen. And if you cut it wrong, it completely destroys the flavor, the texture. It's the exact same with with analysis. And so knowing how to wield that knife is critically important. And the more knowledge you can add, the more skilled you can become there. Yeah, I'd almost argue or uh, make the argument that if you're not a curious person, you're not going to be a good analyst. I can totally get behind that. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think that's the number one thing. And 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 I'm I'm guessing that most people that want to get into more of an analysis role do have that um, general curiosity. Again, I think we've probably done a really bad job as an industry in in helping people identify what their career paths are. You know, so where we've said analyst, we really mean you know report distributor or. Um, Oftentimes what we call analysts are really, I think what I've called in the past, glorified tool administrators. Um, These things are okay and needed. Like these are much needed positions, but we've mislabeled them as something they're not. And then we step back and and say, why is this person that we've called an analyst not really doing great analysis? Well, they're not an analyst. You know, they're not, they're not wired for it. They lack that natural curiosity. Um, and we're trying to, we're trying to smash them into a role that really doesn't fit their skill set or their interests. So, you know, that's important. That's an important thing up front. Um, and I think this is probably true of, of many industries, but this one in particular, I find it, uh, very, very difficult to define what it is because it is so broad. And we see that, in job postings many times, especially where you pull someone in from marketing or HR that really has no idea what the skill sets are for this industry. And they say, you know, we need to hire a digital analyst and they need to have uh, deep programmatic skills with R and Python. They need to be solid front end developers and know JavaScript inside and out. They know how to, you know, interact with 
um, platforms like Adobe Analytics and Google Analytics. They also need to be, you know, hardcore statisticians. They need to understand how to do A/B testing. They need to think like a marketer to, to to be able to do, you know, ideation around how we run optimization campaigns. Like that person just doesn't really exist. Um, and so, if you're looking to pivot into this industry, I think that's probably the most important place to start is where do I want to focus? You know, what am I most interested in? Um, and, and start to develop experience in, in kind of an area of interest, because it is such a broad industry that we, we kind of paint with a single brush and say, this is analytics, but there's so many different roles and pieces within there that, that people ultimately end up specializing in that understanding where you want to fit and defining a career path for that, uh, is a really critical place to start. So to bring this all back to, to Jim's original question, I mean, it, it sounds like you can really get experience everywhere, if, even if it's not obvious. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, and I think that's true for, for any industry. Uh, yeah. we, we all too often say that you have to, you know, have this specific set of experiences. And it's it's why, you know, I'm kind of rubbed the wrong way sometimes when we say that there's a certain path you have to go down. And, and right now it's if you're in the, uh, if you're into coding and development, um, the coding boot camps are kind of like the um, trendy path to go down. And everyone's kind of uh, rejecting the higher education path or rejecting other paths. Uh, and, and I just think it's misguided. Um, I, I think that mm-hmm. experience is experience and you never know what's going to become important. Uh, I, I've, I've literally lost track of how many times that my experience as both a software engineer prior, prior to getting into analytics and just in college taking, I, I, I can't remember, I need to pull out my transcripts to see how many credits over I ended up with because I ended up just taking classes that were interesting to me, not that I needed them to graduate. But those classes ended up helping me at some point down the line. You know, we we pull from our total experience. We don't pull from a set experience for the job that we're doing. And and I think that's my concern with with so many people saying from an education standpoint, from an experience standpoint, we need to laser focus on the skills that are going to get us that job. Sure, that might get us in the door, but it's not what's going to make us invaluable to to a company or to a business or to starting your own business. Um, It's the totality of those skills that make you who you are. And it's, it's something much broader than just a narrow focus. Uh, and so coming back to the start of this conversation, even if you can't get direct experience and you want to have experience with, say, in Adobe Analytics, that's not to say that you can't find something, even if it doesn't feel closely related, that isn't going to ultimately be extremely valuable to you as an, an analyst if that's where you want to pivot your career. Absolutely. I guess as a last resort, you can always uh, just go on YouTube and watch all of uh, the excellent tutorial videos available. Let's see. I um I fixed I fixed my lawnmower. I fixed my garbage disposal. I can't. I've fixed so many things that I had convinced myself I couldn't do by watching YouTube videos. It's it really is amazing, and there is there is some really good content out there, um, both from the the cloud vendors out there that are creating um, content for their platforms, but just lots of people that are, are just developing content. Um, There's, there's tons of amazing stuff out there that you can, you can start with. The thing is though, it's applied, right? So I can watch all the videos I want on fixing a garbage disposal, but until I actually get in there and put the wrench on there and start taking it apart, does it start to click? So it, it, I mean, it is important to have some kind of access to things, but again, don't limit yourself by things that are difficult to get access to. Start where you can. Again, there are hundreds and thousands of amazing data sets out there that if you want to be an analyst, that you can start. And again, it's not all just we, when you get started in the, the analyst space, there's there's often the data set that almost everyone uses, which is the um, the LEAF data set. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but all of these tutorials, when it's like, hey, I want to learn how to become an analyst, they're like, great, here's your leaf data set. And it's a data set of all these different leaves and like the measurement and size of leaves. It's so boring to me. I'm sure it's exciting to someone, but it's boring to me. (laughs) Um, 
The good news is, is you don't have to be stuck with that. There's tons of like, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, sure. There's tons of stuff around that. There's tons of, again, government data that's available. But if, if you go onto sites like Kaggle and others, there's tons of commerce data out there. There's lots of free open data sets out there that you can start experimenting with. So just go and find something that's the most important thing, interesting to you. Right. Um, I think I, I, I think I, back. I think we have one listener now waiting to for you to pop a link to that leaf no, data set. I'm I'm totally going to I, <laughs> I I will put it in there. But it's funny how like because so many tutorials start with that data set. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do the leaf data anymore. I don't even I don't even know. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there's so much interesting data, and I think it's important to be interested in it. You know, I mm-hmm. I think back to when I was in school, why I had convinced myself I was so bad at math and hated math is because all of the examples were boring. Like this didn't make any sense to me. But if I would have had a teacher that said, you know, hey, you know, Jason, I see you're interested in that time. I was really interested in geology. I wanted to be a geologist. Everyone I knew, everyone in my family told me I couldn't because I would never make any money doing it. So I I changed career paths. But if someone would have said, hey, here's some data about geology, about rocks, about, you know, and, and let's use that to, to, to learn math, I probably would have been a math whiz. But like, I didn't care about the data that they were showing us. And I, and it's true here, right? If like, if you're really interested in becoming an analyst and you're using the leaf data set and you have no interest in determining, you know, the characteristics of a leaf, then it's going to be really difficult. But if you're into studying air quality, if you're into studying, you know, people's music habits and choices, I, I think there may be even like a Netflix or some other movie database out there that you can see how people rate movies and, do all sorts of fun stuff like that. Like find something that you're interested in because that's going to drive you to move forward. If you're just kind of like sloshing through it because it's the example you have, it's going to be really, really difficult. I don't care how motivated you are. Yeah, absolutely. I actually got into analytics from the kind of the behavioral, uh, my interest in like uh, behavior psychology, my degree was sociology, just like the behavioral economics of you know, why people do certain behaviors. And yeah, so I, that's kind of the the path I took in. But yeah, I think that's a that's great advice that you really have to just follow whatever you're into. Um, yeah, for sure. And it kind of, yeah, it, and I guess analytics is special in that regard that, um, I mean, it's applicable to almost any uh, vertical, any subject yeah, matter. Absolutely. So yeah, you can get that experience from, from any direction, even if it's not, doesn't seem direct at first. Yeah. And that goes back to my point is that it doesn't matter what role or job you're in today. There's an analytical component to it. There's behavioral information, there's psychology, there's data, like all of that applies to every job. So if nothing more, my, my recommendation in the past, and I can't remember if this was in a podcast or episode or a blog post, um, but I, I mentioned it somewhere that every job has an analytical component to it. Find how that is and just use analytics to run your job. You don't have to wait for your boss to say, hey, we're going to deploy analytics in our department. You don't have to wait for a directive from the CEO to say, we're going to be more data driven. There's nothing stopping you from just taking a more data centric approach to your job whatever that job is. And and that in itself is going to be a huge start uh, to going down a path if you really want to pivot into more of a of an analytic-centric role or just being more analytically minded in in your, your current um, position. That really is great advice because a lot of the, a lot of people get tripped up over the, oh, I need to learn how the tool works and the ins and outs and the nuances. But the truth is, I think those things can be learned over time there's always a, even, you know, I think even us, I can admit that, you know, we occasionally look up the, the help documentation every now and then things change so much uh, and there's so many nuances, but um, it's the, it's those bigger picture things that really take time to develop. And that's really what you should focus on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And especially with so many new tools coming on the market all the time with the existing vendors putting out new features all the time, like, you know, it, it, it's really difficult to have context and understanding of, of all of that. Um, and, and that just comes like that, that can be picked up. Um, the more important part, the harder part to develop is the, the correct mindset. 
Um, and, and that you don't need a specific tool for. It just applies to anything that, that you pick up. And honestly, that becomes much more valuable to yourself in any organization. You know, there's, there's lots of people out there that are Google analytics experts or Adobe analytics experts, or, you know, I, I can like bend snowplow to do the most amazing things in the world. That's great in that it has value to that specific niche or that specific role. Um, but it doesn't really translate unless you add those other things on top of it. And, and that's really what the most valuable thing is. And so while having that tool specific knowledge definitely can help you land a job when there's specific openings, um, it's not going to provide the greatest value long-term. And, and so I think that, that kind of goes back to, I, I believe how Jim queued this up is kind of like this chicken and egg thing. So do you get the experience with the tool to get the job and then add those other skills? Or do you add those other skills and convince a hiring manager that they're more important and that you can learn the tools? I, I don't know. I think that's really tricky, honestly, because if you find a really, really good hiring manager, someone that sees the big picture, having the overarching skills is going to be much more valuable. But honestly, most hiring managers are really bad at what they do. They don't know what they're looking for. And, and so if they're told, hey, we need uh, an Adobe Analytics expert that knows DTM, that's what they're going to look for. And if you don't have that, regardless of how good those overarching skills are, you're going to be immediately disqualified, which is unfortunate because that stuff can be learned very quickly. Um, and so it is, it's a, it's a tough position to be in specifically if you're looking to pivot and get a job in a, in that kind of specific niche, uh, where, where do I start with? I, again, I'm, I'm always a fan of, of starting with the, the broader skill set um, as much as it's, it's not cool to be an advocate of higher education. I still firmly believe in the higher education path, not for everybody, but it's just a, a path from a framework standpoint that having a very wide range of knowledge is, is more important than having a very, very narrow one. Um, and so, man, I, I don't know the answer to that. You know, if I, if I had to tell someone, just go learn broadly about being a good analyst versus see if you can, get a job where you can have access to Adobe. I think, unfortunately, the latter one's going to give you a better chance of getting your foot in the door. Um, but I don't know that it gives you the best chance of being the most valuable long-term. Yeah, that's a fair point. It, it, it is. And I've been thinking about one thing, and this has kind of been on my mind for the, the last year or two. And... When I get asked, how did I get here and what steps did I take to learn it? The first thing, obviously, that comes to mind is the, the tactical steps that, 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 I, that I took. But then the more I think about it, there's, there's other things that I recommend, especially to those young in their career, those that are just starting out. Um, my advice turns to, you know what, um, find a mentor. Find someone that does not mind you picking their brain, that does not like, you know, I think some people are afraid to ask questions at times, especially if say the manager that they report into because they feel like that might be a sign of weakness or may cause doubt. Why do we hire this person if they're asking that question? Whereas if you seek out a mentor who isn't necessarily the, the person you report into, you can ask those questions and they don't mind it and they help guide you along the way. So I think, Jason, to, to your point, I'm thinking that's maybe one thing we haven't touched on with this conversation and I think is, is missing in the business world in general today is the concept of, say, mentors and mentees or you know, master and apprentice. No, I, f I fully agree. Um, and I think, I think everyone here has kind of been lucky either specifically aligned, but I think more organically to have that in kind of our career paths. Uh, and it's, it's not something that we see a lot. And we, we talked about this in a previous episode, the one where we talked about going from an individual contributor to a manager and organizations just assuming that you have all these managerial skill, skills, that's why you got promoted. Um, I, I don't know why there is that mindset. You know, we're all learning. We're, we're all thirsting for knowledge and and none of us are, are complete and nor will we ever will be. And so I, 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 we need to figure out a way to get over this ego play or whatever it is to say, 
we don't need help in everything we do. And I don't care if you're a senior VP or you're a you know junior analyst. We we all need training, mentoring. We we all need that 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 help to get to where we we want to be. And unfortunately, that isn't the case in 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 many businesses. You kind of get thrown into a position. The the what the common phrase is sink or swim. It's like, they're going to figure it out. It's such a crappy model because I, I think it, it breeds mediocrity. And um, while it might be fine to kind of move things forward, businesses could do so much greater if they, they invest in that, but they just don't, it, it is a, it is a missing piece. It's, it's something that I've seen a few people in our industry specifically become really passionate about um, and say, I want to help. Um, and that's, that's amazing. Um, we need more of those type of people saying, I want to help, you know, the next generation. I want to share my knowledge. Uh, we need those people both at an industry level and at a company level. You know, we need people in organizations that fill that role as well, that are, are willing to help mentor and train. I, I think at a, at a business level, it, it makes somewhat of a sense, um, to me because, uh, people just don't feel safe in many corporations. It's, it's a, um, it's a Lord of the flies type environment. If, if you can kind of use that picture where everyone's out for self survival. And if I'm helping Jim become a better person then that hampers my ability to get promoted to a director. And that's my, that's my kind of goal, you know? And, and so it's, it's unfortunate that it really isn't a team mentality in most companies. It's everyone's out for themselves and it, and it really hampers that ability to have that mentor mentee relationship within companies. And so if it fails there, hopefully we can accomplish that from a industry perspective where you have people that have climbed the mountain a few times and are willing to help those coming up the trail behind them say, you know, let me, let me kind of help guide you and, and, and lead you up this mountain. The only thing that I ask is once you become skilled that you, you offer that as well. I, I think that's the only way it really works and scales. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, several other industries do it right. And I actually think of, um, a photography business owner that my wife and I know. Um, she's been friends with him for years, has helped you know do some side work with him. But every now and then he'll take on a college student. It's kind of like a long-term intern. But what hap- what I'm seeing right now, like I know he has one right now that uh, the, the college student, uh, you know, ph- photography school student who's been working with him for about two years now. It's, it's like this long-term apprenticeship kind of thing. And where she's going to photography school and, you know, they're teaching some of the hard skills, but they're also teaching a lot of like the artsy kind of photography, which is great if you're getting into a certain space. But if say you're getting into event photography, uh, weddings, for example, um, the artsy stuff doesn't necessarily fly. You know, the, the people that are paying you want to try, you know, want you to get as many shots as possible um, and not just say one or two specific shots. And where I'm going with this is, is, you know, like I I remember having a conversation, my wife and I having a conversation with him and he was talking about how early on she would go out on photo shoots with him. And, you know, these photo shoots would be like four hours, like engagement photos and uh, maternity photos. And at that point you would take, you know, the photographer would take several hundred shots. And are they going to give every picture to, to the, the person paying for the shoot? No. But they're expecting a significant number, especially if, you know, there, there's a certain con, you know, number in, in the contract. And a, the couple early ones that she joined him on, she would send like three or four and they'd be really done up. And yes, they'd be great if, they, if it was a, a shot for a magazine and he had to sit her down, have a conversation a couple of times like that's not this business. You know, these people are expecting, you know, it was a four hour shoot. They're expecting 120 to 150 pictures. And they want, you know, they, they, they don't need certain things done to it. They, they, they want the, the shot itself. Um, and I'm like, that, that, that's the perfect, again, mentor, mentee, apprentice, master kind of relationship. And again, for me, I just, I've been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of years. And you're right. You know, in the corporate world, that is completely and utterly missing. Yeah. 
It is. And and that's not a problem uh, that we can we can solve. And unfortunately, I think it's just part of a, a broken corporate system where it is so cutthroat and people are out for themselves. And I and I get it right. Like there's no guarantees in in corporate. You can be cut from your job at, at any time. And so you're trying to get the most for what you can. And and so in that instance, I, I do think it's important to find outside of the corporate model um a mentor to help. And, and again, that's why I think it's so critically important uh, for people in any, any industry that have achieved any kind of, of mastery or success to give back um, and make that more freely available. Um, because I think I, I, I'm willing to say that 0% of the people got there on their own. And so to get there and say, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got to the top of the mountain, screw the rest of you is, is wrong because they didn't get there by themselves. And so I think they they owe it to give back because if nothing else, they owe it to their predecessors, to their mentors before them that helped get there as a way to pay them back and say thank you because they now need to turn around and, and give that back. So in this space, I think if you're looking to get into it, there there are quite a few people that are that are willing to to help mentor and, and help along those lines. It's it's very much needed. Um but trying to find it, it would be ideal if that was built into um, the corporate world. But it's in most cases not not the case. Yeah, yeah. My brother is is a tradesman. He's a a steam fitter, and I just watching you know over the last God, how long has he been in there? Fifteen years, maybe. Um, watching as he went through it, I'm like, yeah, they they still get that right. The trades still get that right because I also thought of that when you mentioned earlier about um, making sure people learn and learn right. I can't remember the exact words you used, but it, it, it's ensuring quality ultimately that, that what people are learning is is, is their learning quality. And the, the the trades when they again they have like that master and apprentice, and you're going through a five year apprenticeship, you have you know you're going to be under the tutelage of someone who's been doing it for a significant period of time and their job is to make sure that you learn it right that 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 when you leave that apprenticeship you learn it right and if you just you know if if you refuse to learn it or for whatever other reason you um you know they're going to sort out those people yeah for sure for sure so how do we want to wrap this up? Let, actually, let me just say, so I, I want to touch on a couple points that that I talked about as, as kind of like next steps. So if you're listening and you're interested specifically in becoming an analyst, whether you're in a completely independent role, you're a quote analyst today, but not really, or maybe you're an implementer and want to become an analyst. Uh, my number one piece of advice would be run your current job with more analytical focus today. And, and again, it doesn't matter what your job is. If you're a call center agent, if you're an analytics implementer, if you're a dental hygienist, I, I don't care what your job is. There's an analytical approach that you can take to any job that, that you have. And so I would just say, if you're interested in, in pivoting into this as a career, number one thing to do is take a step back and say, how can I become more analytical in the job I have? Um, it, it's not going to do me much good to only focus on this utopia future state because we're never going to get there if that's the approach. Let's take the crawl, walk, run approach and say for my crawl, I'm going to become more analytical in my job today. And what does that look like? And how can I gain more experience there? Number two is start just exploring data. Uh, again, we mentioned a lot of different data options that you have. Uh, if you're interested, go to the 336.com website for this episode. Um, do we know what episode number this is? Um, and and I will link up a bunch of um, a bunch of data sets that that you can get started with that are open source data and just start exploring. And don't think that you have to go down a certain path with that. There are a lot of people that will say you have to use R because it's the the language that that you use to analyze data. But if you don't have a background in pro in programming or development, that's just a whole other blocker to you getting to where you want to be. So if you don't have experience, start with Excel. I don't care. You know, people may people may look down on you for doing that, but you have to start somewhere. And the easiest place to start is where you have a comfort level. And then as you outgrow that, 
as it start, you know, as an Excel doesn't give you the power you need. Sure. Then let's look at investing in things like, should I learn R or Python or SAS or some other platform to do more hardcore analytics? Great. Let's have that conversation, but start today, start with where you have the ability just to start looking at data and theorizing about it and just understanding it more um, and use open data sets that are available to you. Um, those would be my, my, my two best recommendations. And then third, um, to our, our last point is, is find a mentor, um, ask if you don't have someone that, you know, that can help ask, uh, I think you'll find that a lot of people are, are willing to give back. They just need to know that someone is interested. So if it's on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever, just throw it out there. Hey, I'm, I'm looking at getting started in this space. I'm looking for someone that can spend a little bit of time with me to help help get me started. Is anybody willing? So that that would be my three key uh, takeaways from today's conversation. The one thing I, I'd want to add um, is kind of going back to earlier in the conversation uh, when you were both talking about access to tools. Um, I would say don't let the um, say any limited access you may have to say enterprise tools. Um, get in your way. Um, there are plenty of free tools, free platforms, um, or other low cost things that you can do that will allow you to just hack and break things and push buttons to, to, to learn. I mean, there's, there, there's no other learning than say pushing a button and something breaking, breaking and you realize, Ooh, I shouldn't push that button in that situation again. Um, yeah, even though there are certain tools that I, I don't use on the regular, I still have, say, free instances up and running just so if I have a question, I can go hack away with it without breaking any kind of real live uh, implementation or, or data. Good point. We did that recently with uh, some podcast analytics platform. Yes, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> For this. Um and my final advice, I guess, is which may not help you get a job in the short term, but I think will make you a better analyst over the, the kind of longer course of your career is just to always stay curious and ask questions and be very observant. I think those, those are some of the skills that are not directly learned, but need to be practiced and kind of honed over time. Love that. Curiosity is an absolute necessity. Curiosity about leaves when their sizes and, and such. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, this was a really fun conversation. Um, I mean, for me, it, uh, it just flew by and lots of, lots, lots of good things discussed. Yeah. It's a good episode. Um, hopefully it was, was helpful. I think we had a lot of really actionable pieces in there that people can use. And, and honestly, you know, people that are well into their career as well. I think there were some things that, that we went over that could be that'd be very valuable. So hopefully this was uh, one of those episodes that um, provides a lot of immediate tangible value to, to our listeners. Guys, we can't review the episode during the episode. Okay, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, in that case, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up for now. Guys, uh, thanks for your time, and we'll talk to everybody later. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.